0: Congratulations. You made it to the exfil. You can close Reddit, relax, unpack your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show.
1: Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me as always is my co-host Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope you come along with us on that journey. A ton, I repeat, a ton or a thick amount of things happened today in Tarkov, so we're going to jump straight into hideout keeping so that we can talk about all of these changes. So first, guys, the best way you can support the show, and there's a number of them, but the best way is to share the show with a friend. Um, in the last 24 hours, we've had 14 new people to the XFIL discord. So there's a lot of people sharing the show. There's new people finding the show, joining the community. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's the absolute best thing you can do to support the podcast, and to support the community. Uh, Second to that is liking, commenting, rating on your app or on YouTube. Any engagement with us, or if you like something we're doing, or you think we can do it better, let us know. But all of that really helps us when it's on those apps or on YouTube. And then lastly, we have the direct support option via Patreon. For those of you that are looking for a direct way to support the podcast, And to our current patrons, thank you so much for those of you that donate your hard-earned money to help us on this little hobby of ours to pump this content out. Uh, So the only thing that I really wanted to announce and talk about is something that uh, many of you have already found and discovered and have been commenting on, but I put out a few factory guides on the XFIL YouTube channel, and I put out a guide of my two favorite spots And I explained all of the different areas and things to look out for in an offline raid, just showing you the two areas I like to hold and why. And then I've released the first video of me breaking down my own gameplay at one of those locations, talking about the things I did well, the things I noticed, the things I didn't notice, and then the things that I could have improved on in that raid. So it's a longer form YouTube video, but I love Factory and... A lot of people have reached out asking me for those videos, so they're now up there, and we'll have those links in the show notes, but they're up on the YouTube channel now, and that's youtube.com forward slash XP media now. So outside of that, if you're looking to get in touch with me, the best place to chat with me is either on Discord or when I'm live on Twitch, and I do stream a few days a week on Twitch starting about 1 p.m. Central, and that's at MTB Trigger. MTB Trigger on basically everything, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, And of course, in Discord. So that's enough about me. Ronald, how are you, man? Let these fine folks know how they can get in touch with you, sir.
0: Hey, what's up, everybody? You can always get a hold of me in Discord. Send me a DM. We're talking to people all day long on there. And really excited to engage with the community. It's been great seeing lots of new faces in the XFIL Discord, as Trigger mentioned. And it's been fun to talk and get to know uh, some of you. Pretty well. So you can always hit me up there on Discord, uh, Ronald at the top of the list next to MTB Trigger. Other than that, if you have something non-Tarkov related that you'd like to get to us, you can formally email the show at xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. And this week, I just have one announcement as a follow up to the how to get more FPS out of your computer video that I made on YouTube. If you haven't seen that already and you'd like to do some performance tuning on your PC, definitely go through it. It's got timestamps in it for different various things that you can do to just double check, make sure your settings are optimized. But there's one question I've been asked enough and by enough, I mean like at least 30 times. So I'm gonna answer it right now. And that question has to do with if I have an AMD Ryzen processor and I do not have the high performance power profile that you say in the video, which I did say in the video, What do i do i only have the balanced mode power profile can i use that and i just want to throw that out there right now that say that yes you can use that it's not going to decrease your performance in tarkov it just changes the way that your processor how much power it uses when it's idle and so it doesn't change your performance in tarkov it just changes how much power it uses when it's idle something that if you don't have the high performance option for whatever reason go ahead click balance you'd be good to go and you can keep going on from there. So, I want to follow up with that for all the people that I'm sending me that question. If you haven't asked that question and you're about to, now you know the answer to it. But moving on to this week, it's been an interesting week in Tarkov with the drops event and then all the crazy things that have happened in the last 24 hours. There's definitely lots to talk about this week, but uh, how's your week been, Trigger?
1: My week's been really good. I had a bunch of um, cool things happen. And I think the number one thing for me was I. Got to spend some time playing with a friend of mine who actually got me into PUBG and was one of the original people telling me that I needed to get into Tarkov. And I denied, denied, denied. And they got into it uh, like a year and a half ago. And then they got out of it um, after just a couple weeks, which is why I ultimately didn't pick up the game back then. And then they just recently got back into it. So I got to spend some time playing with them They're level five when I first started playing. They were on the standard edition of the game and they were on the golden pocket watch. You know, they hadn't started listening to the podcast yet, which I gave them a tremendous amount of crap for since we (laughs) we talk about all those struggles very early on in the first couple episodes. But I got to actually go through and help with tasks like delivery from the past and golden pocket watch. And, you know, there's something special about this game in that you know, this game is so hard and it's got so many things about it that when you're new, you just don't get having to go through and explain what all of the inventory things are and helping them know what to sell and doing it in this wipe. You know, I, I did it a lot last wipe, but this wipe I've been focused on playing and I haven't done a lot of sherping. I haven't been raiding with a lot of people that I don't know or new people. I've kind of been playing solo. You know, outside of playing with Ronald, some and and J Mac, who I play regularly with, and Dadcaster a little bit, I I hadn't really played with anybody new, and so it was a really fresh experience, like going through with someone who's brand new. And like the golden pocket watch, like we all say it, like it sucks for us. You know, imagine the person that's just trying it out for the first time in this wipe, and it was just like, I get it, man. I don't know exactly how you're feeling right now, but I know the frustration. And so, just it's awesome, man. Like cleaning up the inventory working through those early tasks, bringing them in a couple shotguns and helping them get over those early hurdles. And at the end of it, like we went from level five to level eight the first night we played and then we played again a few days later. But it was that moment of a level eight player telling me like, dude, I am so hooked on this game and I don't know anything that's going on. (laughs) And it's just, I remember that feeling. I still have it. There's still so much depth that I want and get out of this game. You know, I'm sitting here talking about this, realizing that we're going to get into some of these philosophical questions tonight. It's sort of giving me a little bit of joy to know that somebody brand new, really, they are new. They got into it, got out of it, and they're back, and they are hooked. They found something they love about this game, but that was really most of my week. You know, I, I got to level 39, but... The most impactful moments for me were working through some early struggles with somebody who's new to the game.
0: Yeah, that's awesome because we all were there and to a large degree, I think a lot of people are still there, including myself. There's lots of things that you learn as you just push through it and we're doing it, you know, for the second time this way. But uh, that's great. I mean, I think helping someone, uh, helping a friend with tasks and quests. I mean, this is the game where you have to get help, really (laughs) picking it up cold is really, really, I don't think it's really designed for that. So I think that's pretty cool. So that's good to hear. Yeah. The funniest part is the reason that he reached out initially
1: was because his stash was full and he didn't want to reach out, but he's like, I literally don't know what to do (laughs) because like every single space, every bag, every tack rig, it was all full of everything from super rare stuff, right? Like you just forget like the RNG of the early game. Like he had a found and raid factory key, a found and raid like West 104 key, things that once he hits level 10 are going to be exceptionally valuable to him. And I'm looking at his inventory and I'm like, how do you have an OFZ found and raid? Like, it's like stuff that I need and he's just like managed to get. So it's just a really cool experience when you get to really sit down with someone who's brand new and wants to learn or is forced to learn because their inventory is full.
0: Yeah, there's nothing like having no squares left to force uh, a little bit of Tarkov progression, <laughs> whether you want it or not. <laughs> right, right. Oh, man. Well, I had a pretty good week. I took a couple of days off. Shout out to all the dads in the Xville community for Father's Day weekend. I hope you all had a uh, wonderful weekend if that's uh, if that's your current situation. Uh, But before that, we had the Drops event, which happened for a couple of days, right, last week into this week. And for the first time ever, got lucky with the Drops event. Most of the time I get a splint because that's uh, Geeks' way of making sure that Nikita doesn't give me anything because he's mad that I'm right about the game. But, you know, this time around, I actually, I did kind of well during the weekend. I got two intelligence folders and an SSD drive, which for me is super timely, because I'm going for that intelligence center upgrade. So I was gonna have to buy three of them anyway. So that actually really helped the cause. So I was pretty happy to see that. And I'm once again, leveling strength. And so last time around, if you remember listening a few episodes back, I forget which episode number it is, but it's somewhere in the early teens, I was leveling strength right after they reset all the strength. Skills and I was at like 2.7 and they reset it back to zero and then I needed it like the next week and I had to level strength by walking around shoreline with overburdened bags and I decided this time around that I can afford it so I'm just gonna throw a bunch of grenades so I'm having fun on shoreline I find a spot at night I take in a full uh, tack rig and a full burket full of grenades and I throw them all until I get diminishing returns. Then I chuck both of those into the deep, dark hole somewhere where no one can find them. And then I go try to do a zero to hero run. And it's actually, it's a lot of fun. I Out of four attempts, I've only made it out once. Uh, But the one time that I did make it out, it was actually one of the most fun things I've done in Tarkov because I didn't care if I lived or died. And I ended up running through the map like a crazy person, picking up a bunch of stuff. And first I found a gun. Then I found some armor and then I found a bag and all of that just made the game super fun. So if you have to level strength like me, it might be a fun way to just relax. Like I found it relaxing. I still do find it relaxing. I'm not quite done yet. And if you're on shoreline and all of a sudden you see a bunch of flash grenades and a bunch of smoke grenades go off, you know, just just avoid my little corner of the map. (laughs) That's awesome. It's funny because I actually just started
1: doing like true... Zero to Hero runs recently. You guys are going to think I'm nuts, man. You're going to think I'm crazy, but my favorite place right now to Zero to Hero is Woods with a Mosin. And I'll take like 10 bullets on the Mosin and then summon my Gamma. And I will literally just sprint around like a crazy person with no headset, nothing, just the Mosin, right? And I mean, you could pistol run Zero to Hero and all that, but I, I actually did it right before we started recording tonight. And I mean, I'm just laughing. I'm giggling to myself because I'm just running around, just like messing around with people. And there's something to that when you can eliminate the downside or at least reduce it significantly. And it's kind of like why scavving is so fun, right? Because it's like, well, if I die, I die. I don't lose anything. And so zero to hero is kind of the same way. But there's that difference in it that if you if you get it or you find something really good, you get to keep it in your gamma or... You just go on. So like, if you've never actually tried a zero to hero run, I highly recommend it because it's one of my favorite things to do. And I, I started doing it to learn maps. You know, that's when I really started doing it. And now I just go I'm like, I need to just unwind. So I'm going to go run woods on a zero to hero mose and run.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. I never really did the hatchet running or the pistol running last wipe. I just never did it. And this wipe, because of the way the game is was changed, it actually, ironically enough, forced me into doing that. And so I've done quite a bit of pistol running and um, not so much hatchet running, but pistol running. And it, it is interesting. I actually kind of enjoy it. I find it to be kind of relaxing because I'm not worried if I die. I just think that's just takes a little bit of the stress out of it. But you can also do silly things with the two, which, you know, kind of makes it fun. And speaking of silly things, my factory gear farm where I'm playing the game wrong. I I realize I'm playing the game wrong. So everybody who listened to last week's episode, if you have feedback for me, I'm definitely playing the game wrong. I get that and accept it. So here's what I'm doing if you haven't heard. I'm taking a scab on factory and I'm hiding until there's about four minutes and twenty seconds left, four minutes thirty seconds left, somewhere in there. And I am then working my way up to the office slowly and quietly. And now there's two things. I either have the camera door exfil, which is in the tunnels, which is right underneath the office. You come down and go right down the steps there and then you can run right to that. Or I have the office window extract. And so I walk up into the office area in the hallway, and all I do is scoop up loot. I scoop up what's left. So I usually end up with a couple of of scab backpack, big exceptions, you know, a couple of tack rigs. I'm always full on guns. I always find a pistol, and I usually find a Class three armor, usually a helmet of some kind, and then I just scoop that all up and then work my way out. And sometimes I find somebody who has a backpack full of whatever they were emptying in the file cabinets or in the safe or whatever, that they didn't gamma, right? And so there's a backpack full of that. It's happened a few times, and I just scoop that up and head down. And so I either extract through the office with like 15 seconds left in the raid, or I run back down the steps and extract at the camera door exit. And I usually get zero kills. I don't even shoot at anybody. And this is just about making money, making currency for in-game. And this strategy has netted me in the past like five days of playing like over 10 million rubles it is just crazy it's like printing currency because i sell everything and because i make it out it's all found in raid and i sell everything and so what i've started to do is whatever armor i find i sell i don't use if it's find in raid i sell it and then i keep stuff and i use on my pmc stuff that's not find in raid, stuff that i can't sell so if i have helmets or whatever all that stuff i just sell if i can and it's gotten my liquid currency back up to where I needed to be to push the hideout, which is expensive, as everyone knows. Mm-hmm. So I'm pushing the hideout using that to kind of fund my hideout progression. Now, again, I'm not playing the game right. So I, I get it. But it's it's an interesting strategy that kind of developed out of a uh, frustration for not having enough rubles to push the hideout as fast as I wanted to. Didn't mean that I couldn't do it. It just meant that I couldn't do it as fast as I wanted to do it. And so I solved it this way. So it's kind of interesting and it has been pretty profitable for the last couple of days.
1: I don't know, man. Have people said you're not doing it right? Because I just see the like scabbing, like you're actually taking it seriously and surviving and you've got a high percentage success rate. So like, I, I don't know, man. I think it's I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And it's funny because the question that came in my mind was, have you tried doing this on your PMC? Have you tried it with having the gamma available with nothing in the gamma, or is it the randomness of the scav spawn location that makes it super successful? Because, like, I mean, there's part of me that's like, oh, maybe I should do this while I'm editing, you know, join a factory raid, hide and set a timer like Geek said and (laughs) just go scoop loot at the end of it. And if I die, I die, whatever.
0: I think that the randomness of the spawn location of the scav plays into this strategy I think that with a PMC, initially in factory, you're going to be clearing spawn points. That's kind of like the standard operating procedure for factory is spawn in, clear spawn points, then set up your farm, whatever you're going to do. And in this case, what I'm doing is I'm taking advantage of the fact that the PMCs are already set up doing whatever they're going to do. So I'm taking advantage of the fact that most people play factory to set up to farm the office area, or they farm a gate three extract. So that's basically where most people set up to farm. And I take full advantage of that. There's two places that I found in the factory that I can basically sit and I could AFK and I wouldn't get shot. Nobody ever goes there. And so I I hide in one of those two places and maybe we'll make a strategy video out of all this because it is kind of a weird thing to do.
1: I think it would be a cool like companion piece to the XP farm on factory, right? Because it's like the opposite end of that. Like, here's how you go kill scavs. And here's a way to profit from somebody who was killing scavs. <laughs> you know, it's great. Because, I mean, you can do both. And I, like, I'm like. i sitting here thinking, like, there's times where I would do this when I'm doing other stuff. And if, you know, once every 17 minutes I go in and scoop loot and run out, fine. I, I, I don't know. I think it's cool.
0: Yeah, and the key is to make this work is to wait until under five minutes, and then start doing directional listening. So you are crouching, you're slow walking and crouching, and you're moving, you're changing directions without making the screeching noise. You're not moving a place, you're kind of walking, and you're listening, and you're listening for all the PMCs run to the exfil, and you can hear them on factory. That's the nice thing about factories. You can pretty much hear everything that's going on, Mm -hmm. and especially after a while, if you get good with sound at factory, if you're in the tunnels and you hear the metal banging sound, you know they're running across the grates towards gate three with, with that much time left. If you're behind the connexes, where I like to hide, staring at the uh, metal grates that go either up into the office or down into the camera door exit, you can hear them uh, running across those same grates, but they're coming from your right side. So it's, it's kind of one of those situations that once you get the sound down, you can tell when the PMCs are gone. And because you're a scav, the scavs aren't going to shoot at you. So then you just have free reign. The only thing you have to watch out for is player scavs. And I have run into player scavs camping the office, but you can hear scavs. And here's a tip for this. You can hear scavs, player scavs. You can hear them because they're going into the file cabinets. And as you're creeping up the steps, you can hear the file cabinet drawers go in and out, in and out, in and out. And if you hear that, you know that you have a player scav in the office, most likely. And so I just keep creeping up the steps and you have a choice. If my exfil is the camera bunker door, I don't even go into the office. I just scoop up what's in the stairwell. And if I don't have enough, then I'll run back down into the middle of factory and just find a couple of dead scavs and then make my way back down the tunnel. Or I'll just run down to the exfil in the tunnel. If I do have the office as my extract, then what I have to do is battle the scav that's in there and most people leave one door open and one door closed. And so what I've found with factory is I walk to the other door and I open it and then I move back to the door that was already open. I prone shoot out their legs and exfil because everyone's covering the door that you just opened thinking that you're going to come in that way. That strategy works nine out of 10 times and exfil and then you're done. So and remember, scavs don't have really any armor at all. And, and depending on what kind of guns you found on all the people in the stairwell, and there always are people in the stairwell, you know, you can find something on the way up and, you know, one one shotgun blast and the scab's dead. So it really does work well and it's very situational. And one of the things I really like about it is it's taught me how to use different things because it's so situational. So it puts you in a situation or puts you in an environment where you're going to have to do some kind of some kind of fighting to get out. So you literally have to use whatever is there. So you're not using your PMC loadout. You're learning about all this other stuff, whatever you find to use, the goods and the bads and things like that. And so for me, I've really enjoyed that part of it. I think it's honestly made me better at just regular PMC rating. That's awesome.
1: I love factory
0: (laughs) just in general. But I think the thing that
1: actually jumps out to me the most about what you were just saying is that you're learning things about player behavior on that map that I have learned from the complete other way of playing those areas, right? Because I go in for PVP and, you know, and again, you're on your scav. I know that you play it differently on your PMC. Like this is actually kind of an aside, but I was thinking about this today. You know, when I walk my dog, I usually spend 30 minutes thinking about Tarkov in the morning. And I um, I was thinking about the rat and the Chad and. I, I'm going to add a new one in because some people there's the beaver, which is geek, say, and whatever. Right. He's the beaver. And there's some people that talk about being the honey badger. And I think that your play style, I think you're the snapping turtle. OK, you protect the loot that you get. You move around methodically. But if somebody messes up and comes into your area like you, you're done, you're done. If you if they come up behind you they have a chance right you have to hold the back end of the snapping turtle he's gonna get you but if if the snapping turtle comes at you from the front like you're
0: you're gonna get wrecked
1: you know so I think you're the snapping turtle
0: I don't know if you like that or not but that's what I was thinking about this morning i you know I like it i th- I think we can work with that we can we can work <laughs> with the uh the X-fil snapping turtle okay I mean that may be
1: a better fit but i I was laughing to myself this morning and It may have to do with some videos I saw on YouTube that were snapping turtles, getting getting people's hands that they thought were out of the way.
0: But I think what's really interesting is how the strategies for learning factory can be so different. Right. And that's that is really all I wanted to point out. You're learning
1: the exact same thing about the office that I learned through PVPing there. And it doesn't matter whether it's a scav, a player scav, a PMC, like that's what happens in the office. And that strategy works no matter what you're doing on your end. Because players think the same way. Like if there's a Chad running around the office on a scav, they're going to act the same way. They're going to play the same way. So that's really cool, man.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to know that you can learn different ways. You can you can get the same result, right? You can have success, but doing it totally different ways. And as I was watching your PvP video on YouTube on XP Media, which is very good, by the way. If you haven't seen that, I highly suggest you go check it out because Trigger does this methodical breakdown of all these different angles and things for farming scabs and farming XP. And it's really, really done well. As I was watching that, I was thinking to myself, man, some of those situations that you were in really make me uncomfortable thinking about. And so I, I, I kind of laughed because We're kind of achieving somewhat of the same knowledge level through different ways of doing it. Now, the difference is you're doing it on a PMC, so you're getting XP along with it, along with the loot and everything like that. But I could do this strategy on a PMC 2 tier point earlier, but I guess my point is that you can still get good at PvP, good at gunplay, good at hearing, good at all those different aspects of Tarkov uh, in a totally from coming at it from a totally different perspective. And I just think that's cool that the game is set up in a way that lets you do that. Well, yeah. And it's funny because there
1: are so many times where I'll kill, you know, 15 to 20 scavs on factory. And by that point, there's like two or three minutes left in the raid. And I'm sitting there trying to maximize the value I'm getting out of every slot. And the key word there is maximize because I'm leaving a tremendous amount of mid-tier loot, armor, guns, ammo everywhere. And then furthermore, I usually don't loot every scav that I kill. Maybe they're in too uh, too much of a threatening area where I don't know what's gone on over there, but all these scavs that I never touched. And there's sometimes where I'll have to exfil because a player's scav hits me in the head and causes me to have a concussion or whatever, or they bleed me up and I got to run and get out and I've already got some stuff in my bag, so I just leave. But there's times when I've probably left just boatloads of loot. So when you were saying like, We achieved the same thing. And you were talking about the PvP knowledge and gun skills. I'm like, no, you kind of achieved the same thing on a loot basis, too. You know, yeah, there's an XP difference, um, you know, because I like to PvP and play my PMC on factory, but that's not everybody's jam. But if you like to scab, it's a legit strategy for making money. And that's, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, so it's been pretty good. You know, and with the change in the find and raid status, especially along the lines of the drops event, which is fun, right? I got some stuff I can use for my hideout progression but you can't sell any of it on the flea market. You could sell it to traders, I guess. Sure. But with not being able to play the flea market or do arbitrage or things like that, there are a lot of things they've taken away from making money. So this is one way that is the result of me having to play differently to make money. So it's interesting. It's developed in a way that I wouldn't have expected. So that's why I think it's cool. That's
1: really cool. As much as I would just talk about factory forever, I don't think that's everybody's... (laughs) everybody's jam. And we got a lot to get to. We um we completely scrapped what we were originally going to talk about on this episode because today, the day we're recording this, you know, not even eight hours ago, some big things happened. Some big things changed. Battlestate made some changes to the game. And, and over the last week, during this Drops event that had so much hype on Twitch, there's been a number of changes that have gone on. We've learned the focus from Battle State, I would say, on what they're doing right now, at least part of their focus. And we really want to talk about this. And if you were hanging around on the 22nd of June, which is when we're recording this, uh, we actually hung out in Discord for actually almost an hour. We told ourselves it was going to be 20 minutes, but it was close to an hour, just talking with a bunch of people about what they thought about the changes on ammo, the task changes, the real money trading, which is what uh, Battlestate's talked about recently, and and just how it's affecting their gameplay, how it's affecting the game itself, what they think Battlestate's trying to accomplish. And we're just trying to talk to a bunch of people. And it was really fun to hang out and see what people thought. So um, again, I've talked a lot about when we're recording this because it's hot today. Like if you were on Reddit, and I'm sure the rest of this week, like Reddit's going to be just absolutely on fire over this. And it could radically change between now and Friday when it comes out. But for us at a high level and looking at some of these, we love just digging into like, what does this mean for the game? What does it mean for different player bases? And so, Eric, I, I kind of just want to talk about like, you know, at a high level, you know, we've seen some ammo changes. We've seen uh, Battle State talk about the real money trading and battling that. And then today, the changes that I'm referring to is, they modified the end of the ch- one of the chains of prapper so when you hit level 40 and you've maxed out your reputation with all of the traders uh, you turn that task in and it used to be that you got a thick weapons case from prapper and they've removed that um and then there was the end of a therapist chain where you turned in three ledx and three ophthalmoscopes and you got a thick items case and they've changed that from a thick items case just to an items case so on the surface like What did you think about this stuff as it started rolling out?
0: Well, it's interesting because I think there is a number of players that have never had either Last Wipe, including myself. I never had a thick items case or a thick weapons case. I never bought them. So does it totally affect me in a super negative way? I'm not really sure because this time around in this wipe, I'm playing better because I know more about the game. So I'm actually progressing farther along in a shorter amount of playtime, you know, so I'm getting more efficient. So the odds are I'll probably hit this point in the wipe, right? So my incentive for getting there is different than it was before. And my reward when when I get there is obviously is obviously different. So I would say that I Perhaps didn't have the initial negative reaction that maybe people who are used to getting to that point and getting those rewards as just part of their normal progression in a Tarkov wipe had because I have never gotten them. But I also can understand from their perspective how this was a major, major change in the way that the game reward system works. And because of that change, it definitely decreased their enjoyability of playing the game.
1: Yeah, you know, that was kind of the most interesting thing, right? And I'll share my sort of perspective on it because I had a very interesting day today. Um, You know, this morning I was lucky enough that J-Mac, who I referenced earlier, he was playing on Shoreline, had a crazy raid, got two ledexes, put him in his gamma and got killed in the raid. And he had already turned in his task for his thick items case. And he messaged me and said, Hey, man, do you need these ledexes? And I was like, yeah, I actually just unlocked the therapist quest a few days ago, and was going to start farming up so I could get my thick items case. Because as you all know, I love cases. And uh, I liked stacking bags inside of cases. And in those bags, I like stacking other cases, which is no longer a thing either. You know, So if you're drinking something that you're able to pour out, rip my old stash. But He messaged me and said, hey, if you want these, you can have them. They're worth, you know, 300K to me selling to Therapist or they're worth basically two and a half million to you. So, of course, I logged in because I'm able to do that and um, got those LedXs, turned them into Therapist and was scheduled to stream uh, about an hour and a half after that. And I was like, hey, man, I'm going to need like 40 extra minutes because I want to go get this task done. Otherwise, I'm going to be thinking about it all day. So I went and spent all of my money, had to sell a couple labs cards that I had been holding on to and got the money, bought my third LedX, bought the three ophthalmoscopes, turned it in, got my thick items case reward today. And then I started streaming about an hour later and someone came in a chat and it's like, hey, man, you no longer get the thick items case from this trade. And I'm like, get out of here. I literally just did this. And I was like, I knew what time I did it at. And I was like, I did this today. It was less than two hours ago when this happened. And he's like, I'm serious, man. Pestily's chat is going off the rails. It's all over the place. And I was like, I'm going to need a link. Like someone needs to send me this link. They go get it. And sure enough, there it was. So like I was as close as I possibly could imagine myself being from not getting this done. And the crazier part is had I chosen... To just turn in those two LEDX, which is what I did, and I turned in the two LEDX, so on my task, it was two out of three LEDX, zero out of three ophthalmoscopes. If I had just done that and then come back tonight before we recorded or after, I don't know that I would have checked the task, right, if it wasn't a recording night and we weren't doing research ahead of time, and I could have then gone and bought another LEDX in ophthalmoscopes and then got just an items case, and I would have been, like, devastated. You know, so I'm sitting here like, there's people this wipe that are probably part way through that task. Maybe they've turned in parts of it. I Maybe mean, there's people that were approaching it or they were grinding for it or whatever. Or, you know me, I have half of level 39 to get before I hit level forty. And when I hit level forty, I would have just turned in that proper task because I've already got the reputation and the spend amount for mechanic and ragman. I would have just turned it in and got a thick weapons case, which is no longer going to happen. So like, yeah, personally, I'm bummed that I don't get the thick weapons case. But to your point, I know that I've progressed significantly further than most people playing Tarkov right now, I think. And there's also a lot of people that haven't used these items. But again, from my perspective, I'm missing out on a thick weapons case, which I was probably two or three hours on tomorrow's stream away from getting. So I lose out on that, which again, it's not going to break me, but it does bum me out because I was looking forward to it. I was grinding towards that knowing it was close. So yeah, two <laughs> two kind of really different takes on this thing.
0: So I wonder, how many people do you think are affected by this?
1: <sighs> Man, I was thinking about that. And I mean, affected by it's like a weird definition, right? Like you mean like people that are like on the task and can't do it anymore? Or you just mean like how many people care about it?
0: Well, let's, Let's start with that. That that's a great point. How many people do you think are on that task right now, four weeks in?
1: I mean, it's in single denit single. I don't even know what I was going to say. It's in single digit percentage points, would be my guess, and probably on the low end. Like you know, we've talked a lot about the one percent gamers, and it's probably less than five percent. And I think if it was five percent, that would be a crazy number.
0: And how many people do you think? know about those rewards in the task, task progression system?
1: I think a lot. Um, I think there's an awareness of cases in general. So I think even if you're not familiar with the exact rewards or who you get them from when, I think you're probably aware of it or you expect that at the end of tasks, you get something really good. So aware of the specific reward, I don't know. I'd say a lot. I don't know what percentage, but I think I think a fair amount of people are aware of that.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think that's a good way to say it. I don't think there's a specific amount of people that say I was looking for that thick weapons case. Like they know the specific combination of things. I think you have to have done that already in a wipe, probably to know that. Or you or you're just a player who is very knowledgeable at the game, dived in and read everything yeah. you could read about it, which is cool. So I but I agree with you. I think there's people that know about it. So I guess the the big question I have for you is Why do you think they made this change today without announcing it? You know, I think the only thing that makes sense in my mind is that
1: something on the back end showed them that these thick cases were doing something very negative related to the RMT or cheating or something, because I don't quite understand why they would remove a end game item. And what I mean is they're removing an end game task reward. So I, I just don't understand that because there's so many solutions to that in my mind. Like, well, if it was too cheap, like if it, you know, normally it's 10 ledx's 10 defibrillators and 10 ibuprofen or Vaseline. It's one of the two. So this is conceivably like a third of the cost of a normal, you know, thick items case in that particular example. So if it was too cheap, like it seems like you could have upped that task for that reward. But then you have to think about like, it was the average person going to complete that task. Are they going to see it? I don't know, <laughs> you know, but I can't wrap my mind around anything other than this has to be being used in RMT. I, it's the only thing that makes sense to me.
0: What about you? I think that uh, let's go down that path a little bit. So if they let's say this is because they saw something really weird happening in the game, right? Some anomalous behavior that was damaging the integrity of the game in Battlestate's opinion, right? The publisher's opinion. So they said, okay, we need to make a really drastic change to the task progression reward system. So drastic that we're going to change the carrot that most of our really devoted players know about, right? And are looking forward to. So this is something that the people that are probably EOD, right? And they're probably invested a lot of time in the game and really understand the systems and they're looking forward to this. So we're going after our most loyal customers at this point. So we need to make a change that we're not going to even announce or talk to them about or even get feedback for. We're going to go after the that group of people with something that directly affects them in the middle of the day and just do it. And I find it interesting too, because I think they had to have seen something in the analytics of the game. And we've talked before about how gaming companies are really just large analytics companies. Their behavior, basically behavior recording, analyzing, and then creating tools to, you know, take advantage of that behavior, right? To play the game. Right. They must have seen something really crazy for them to do this in the middle of the day. And I don't know. I mean, we talked about this, like you mentioned before, for some time with some folks in XFEL and we've been talking about this even before then, just the two of us. And I still, I'm at a complete loss. I, I do not understand why they would sacrifice this much either goodwill or even enthusiasm by a what, what we'll call a very devoted. Like, if you don't like the concept of hardcore or casual based on time play, we'll just leave it at devoted player base, like people who really like the game. Like, they're sacrificing so much goodwill for RMT, and i if that really is the case, and of course, we don't know, and they'll never tell us. They might tell us, I don't know, but they haven't told us yet. They might have to now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. Because Reddit's on fire, dude. <laughs> like, if you don't go to Reddit, or you don't pay attention to Twitter, like, this thing lit the community on
0: fire, like, in a crazy way. But if they don't have a strategy for why they would do something like this, if this was really a knee-jerk reaction to RMT, I think a really honest conversation has to be had about what does RMT really, really affect? How much does it really change your day-to-day life in Tarkov? And if you're someone who's on the side of talking to Battlestate and saying, you know, RMT is the end of the world, it's ruining the game at all costs, then this is what you get. You get stuff like this. You literally get knee-jerk reactions in changes like this. And I just find it interesting because I think that the people who maybe were very concerned with RMT didn't see this one coming necessarily. I think there's a chance of that. And and if it does turn out, which I don't know for sure, if it does turn out that this is because of RMT, I don't know. I, I, I feel like maybe they might have like the cure is worse than the disease, but I don't know. I mean, we should, uh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think RMT is one of those super interesting things and it exists on basically any game that has tradable or farmable things. And we talked a little bit about this when Geek Say was on, but I want to give a little bit of a background on how RMT can exist, at least in the games that I've played, and I know it exists in tons of other ones. But there are sites that you can pay to get currency on that site and then use that to either trade for items between games or, hey, you're playing this game and you want to sell that for the site currency, and then you're going to go switch over here. And I'm not going to name the name of the site, but it's still around. And it's actually related to Diablo 2. It goes back that far. There's a third-party site related to Diablo 2 that has the ability to buy money on a site, and then you can trade that currency for basically currency that lasts as long as you want it to. And Diablo 2 is a seasonal game, right? So there's some interesting things that go into that. But then there's an other games forum within that. So say you're playing Diablo 2, you farm up all this stuff, and then you sell it to people for that currency on the site, and you You build your fake bankroll that you paid real money for, or has a real money uh, currency exchange, and then you want to go play World of Warcraft. You can go on that site and say, "Hey, I'm going to use my currency for the site, uh, and I want to play on this server. Does anybody have a bunch of gold on that?" Or I'm going to go play Eve Online. Does anybody have a bunch of? I think it's Krill. I don't know what the something. Um, Or I'm going to go play. You know anything? A Diablo Three. I need rushing. I need a service. So RMT shows itself in many different ways. It can also show itself as a direct transaction, which is what goes on in Tarkov, where it's like, hey, I'm going to pay this amount of money for this amount of rubles. Um, There's probably services for certain items, um, maybe leveling, tasking. I don't know. Um, I haven't really dug into it that far, but that's how RMT exists. And it's been around forever. Okay. so my point in saying that is that it's not new and it's not going to go away. I truly don't believe you can kill RMT. You know, can you curb it a little bit? Sure. But I th- I don't know, man. To your point, I'm not really sure that, you know, you talked about cure and disease. I don't think RMT is a curable disease. I think it's around I think companies have taken really interesting approaches to curing it or at least curbing it, but even then they didn't get rid of the third party RMT stuff. So please don't hear me wrong. I don't do RMT. I don't really agree with it. But to circle back, you're, I don't like I don't like pay to win games. I just don't. But it will exist everywhere. And I talked last episode that I know somebody, a good personal friend of mine, that does it, and it drives me insane. But he still does it, and he's still a good friend. It doesn't change anything about him. He just he just doesn't agree with me on this. But To your original point, I don't know how much RMT really affects me. I don't think I'm affected by it other than if RMT is just allowed to flourish unchecked, most of the games I've played get ridden with bots if RMT is readily available, and then they come up with cheats and and other things, right? So I've seen it in Diablo 2, there was farming bots, right? In World of Warcraft, they had farming bots, but also the ability to No clip, right? They found ways to get around the code of the game so that they could basically fly through walls to hit resource nodes and be able to farm those without being killed by other players or just to do it faster. So that's the way it's affected. So I don't know, man, I get this like kind of deep, dark feeling like, man, either RMT is nuts in Tarkov or cheating is nuts and it allows people to RMT or something. But Again after I, I ran into two cheaters early on this wipe and then for 3 weeks after that I have not had another encounter. So I I just don't know man. On a on a daily basis I don't think it affects me. On a weekly basis maybe a handful of times. I'm at a loss man. It's either a way bigger problem than my mind can comprehend in Tarkov or
0: there's no ore. <laughs> th- yeah. I think that's where my mind leads me. I'm I'm kind of in a And a weird spot with this, too, because, you know, you talked about different MMO games that have cheating farming bots, those kinds of things. That's a hard thing to do in Tarkov. Like a farming bot would be a hard thing to do, I think, because you'd have to, it has to survive, right? And and it's a dynamic environment. It's not a static, like it works in World of Warcraft because that node spawns at the same coordinates all the time. But in Tarkov, your scav, let's say you're doing as a scav bot right? Your scav bot, and the only goal of the farmer is to get the scav out so they could sell everything on the on the scav. The scav spawning at random locations, and let's say they could read that data somehow, but even then, the dynamicness of Tarkov with terrain, with just another player seeing, it's, it's like, I don't know about the botting necessarily for farming, but Cheating for sure. Like there's, like there's, definite cheating that happens. I don't know if I've actually encountered a cheater a hundred percent, and I'm being honest. I, I had, I've had one encounter, one encounter on shoreline that I died, and I legitimately, I wasn't salty. I, I, I just sat there for a second because I thought. I don't know how that bullet hit me. I was in a position where I was covered, and I and I actually went into an offline raid afterwards because I went back to that spot. And I knew the angle of which the bullet was coming towards me, and I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. And... And so I think maybe that's the one time, you know, like everyone says when they die, or not everyone, but you know what I mean? It's an easy thing to like go after and say it was a cheater. Yeah. Because, you know, you're just frustrated because you died and everyone's felt that way. But this legitimate time, I've had one time out of all the times I've played. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying it's not rampant because I I believe that it does affect a lot of quality of life for players. So please hear me when I'm saying that. I, I just don't know you know, like the, the, the scope and depth of this particular problem on the RMT and the cheating side hasn't affected me to the point where I don't understand this change, but I could be a small subset and I admit that.
1: Yeah. So I'll add some flavor in here um, because I've watched some of the videos about Tarkov cheats and, and I'm just going to say again, we don't believe in it. We don't condone it. Um, not a fan, but I have run into them and some confirmed ones and stuff that have got clips on stream. And one point that you made about the fixed spawns and the survival thing. So I've ran into speed cheaters, okay, where you see someone and they literally can teleport or move wicked fast. Okay. I'm talking like there's some clips on my stream and I'll try to find them and put them in the show notes, but where I see a guy and he's looking right at me and then all of a sudden he's 80 yards to the left and headshots me, right? That's that exists. So there's also the fixed spawn locations, right? Everyone knows there's red card spawns and Letix spawns and stuff. So those two things combined that LEDX is normally spawn in these five rooms in Shoreline or this room on, you know, on Interchange. And as I'm saying this out loud, I'm realizing that, you know, some of these dynamic in raid encounters, like you have to turn the power on and then you can go go unlock this door. It may be a backwards way that also fixes some of the cheating problem. I saw you nodding. (laughs) Did you have something? Because I've got something else I want to add, but I see you nodding. So I don't want to gloss over this too far. Yeah,
0: I don't want to gloss over this point. I have a question about not the cheating, but the botting. So cheating is, I totally agree with you. There are, I've seen videos of people flying around and zooming in, and I've seen those cheating videos. I know that that exists. What I was specifically talking about was a computer player, not human controlled bot to farm to just create currency automatically that could be sold as RMT like that, like that. I I just don't know if you can do that in Tarkov because the game is too dynamic for that to happen. And I was wondering if you've seen that.
1: No, I haven't. And I agree with you. And I think based on what we're seeing today and over the last week of changes, I think we may look 2020 hindsight at the find and raid change to be purely looking at battling RMT. I have a sneaky suspicion that that's why it was there because maybe botting was starting to come around and botting is believed to have occurred on the flea market with flipping items and controlling price floors and stuff like that. And the find and raid change nullifies that right? You can't buy an item and flip it. And then there were things like you can't do that with weapons anymore. Weapons used to not have the find and raid requirement, and they took that away. You know, so to me, that suggests bots on the flea market. But I agree with you, man. In game, I think it would be really hard to have a bot other than if it was like running scavs on cooldown and hitting loot locations. But I just think it would die a lot. (laughs) You know, I I don't think that would be a very effective you know, bot in terms of currency generation, I think you're right. So yeah, that's a good clarifying point. I I really don't think there's a bot problem in games.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think so either. But again, it could be wrong. But as far as like botting on the flea market, I've really struggled to understand all of the downsides of that. So like, for example, I'm just watching the flea market this wipe versus flea market last wipe. And there are Things are proportionally just as expensive based on the demand of the majority of the player base, right? So, for example, right now, hideout items that are kind of in the later stage of level one-ish and earlier stage of level two are all expensive because that's where the herd is (laughs) of players. And I'm kind of watching prices and things kind of end up being more expensive in a way because there's less stuff on the, on the flea market to flip. And I'm really curious, and I know this is a subtopic, but you're farther along than I have. I, I I just, I don't, I don't really know how the find and raid other than making it harder for this nebulous idea of botting, which we're trying to nail down to create RMT to sell. I'm just really curious about if you think that the botting of the flea market was, was a huge problem that affected your daily play in Tarkov, or if you think it was not something that affected someone who made it as far as you did. I, I'm really curious what your opinion is now.
1: Yeah, I guess we'll be clear. It's my opinion. I would say for me, I would, last wipe, I would say that there were a number of times where I would see things and. Again, it's, it's dealing with desync and who knows what, but there was a lot of weird things that happened to me on the flea market. Um, where like I couldn't buy certain things. Like, uh, you know, a bunch of people would post some stuff cheap and they're, like, I couldn't get any of it. And it just seemed too quick, too automatic. Um, and it was like certain items that were. Heavy stock all it never really seemed to move or price fluctuate. So it just seemed like there was some artificial floors being created by, and it could have been players with tremendous amounts of money. I don't know, but yeah, i I do believe there was botting. I don't know how rampant it was um, from a effect on me daily, I think it was more of an annoyance, you know, because you sort by cheapest price. And last wipe, I just got to the point where I never went after the cheapest items because I always got the error message and I didn't want to spam refresh over and over to get it. So I would go to the fifth or sixth one just so I could buy it and move on with my life. But it felt like I could never buy the cheapest items on the flea. And it wasn't all the time, but I, yeah, I I think it existed. I just don't know about the magnitude of it, but yeah, I, I do. I think it was there. Um, From an overall effect on my gameplay, I would still say relatively minor. It was maneuverable, I would say.
0: See, I would agree with you. I saw the same thing, but I'm seeing the exact same thing now. I'm seeing players post things for a couple thousand rubles underneath what they normally sell for and they're gone instantly.
1: I can give you a specific example of something that I tried last wipe and could not accomplish and had success in it twice this wipe already. And it's on the task that requires you to turn in a zero to 50% durability 6B43, the class 6A armor, and a 51 to 100% durability armor. And I refreshed last wipe doing this task for 30 minutes, trying to catch cheap versions of these armors popping up. And not once could I capture one. You know, someone would post it up and I had a price that I wanted to catch it under and I would refresh, refresh and, you know, F5, 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 click purchase, hit Y as soon as it would happen and I couldn't get one. This wipe, I was just waiting for fence, right? For someone to sell their beat up 6A armor to fence and I refreshed for five minutes. I missed the first one and I did it for another two minutes. Second one popped up and I got it. So like, I don't know. That's a, that's one example in a large pool of them but i tried for a long time to do that and catch a cheap beaten up armor last wipe and i couldn't do it and i saw like seven or eight of them go by and it was always sold out so i don't know i i I am seeing the same thing on the cheap items though like you're not it's hard to snag them for
0: sure and what level is that quest
1: i just i it's not a level one i don't think it's i think you could get to it really early um I mean, I did that within the last seven days, so I would say most people probably get to it in their late 20s, early 30s tasking, if they're focused on tasking.
0: I wonder how many people are on that task yet, just in general. And uh, I just wonder if it was the amount of people doing it by the time that we got there last wipe, because we started later, and now you started right away and pushed pretty hard, and so you're just there quicker, so the demand is less. I just wonder if that if that has something to do with it, because if a bot bought that particular piece of armor and then tried to flip it on the flea, I mean, how much are they flipping it for is the real question, right? You know, I mean, it, it's well, in last wipe, it was whatever they wanted. This wipe, they can't. Right. And, and that, that's just my point is, is how profitable is is the flip. I I don't know. I just I am not on that task. So I have not had that particular problem. So I can't speak to that issue. I can speak. Yeah, I can speak yeah. to buying like bolts and, you know, just light bulbs and, you know, just early flea market things you need to build your hideout progression with. And all of that is way more expensive. And anything that's cheap, I've never been able to get. It's gone instantly. It's the exact same thing. And and there's no flipping going on because it can't be flipped. And because there's no flipping, there's no glutton of supply of certain items. So everything is more expensive. So I don't know. I just don't know if the bots really made that big of a difference. So let's say there was bots flipping on the flea market, setting price floors on things. They don't seem to be much lower or higher than they are now. Maybe we'll see in another month or two.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of items that are in heavy use. And yeah, I think we will see. I think the current flea market is a good representation of scarcity. Or challenge, because some things are scarce, but they're not super useful. So there's like, there's some of those items that are like that perfect mix of all of it, like a LedX that's rare, it's kind of hard to get. And then it's used for some expensive upgrades in the hideout, as well as expensive tasks that used to have a really good item attached. So they kind of had that connotation with them. But yeah, before there wasn't really anything driving it because you could flip stuff and everything that came out of raids was usable on the flea market. So, I agree. I think it's going to be fun to watch and see how it goes. Um, I don't know. I've been able to buy the cheapest thing a couple times and I try it more often now and maybe it's just a mindset, right? I'm like, "Oh, there's no bots." <laughs> so, I'm just going to refresh and buy the cheapest ones and I'm having success in it. And maybe if I did it last wipe it would have worked too, but I think it will be interesting to see how the flea market continues to progress as this wipe gets more seasoned because They're making some pretty big changes now just a month in. I think we're a month in, Uh, maybe a little more than that, but it's kind of wild.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably safe to say like PvP is your thing and the flea market's my thing. And I guess from my perspective, I'm not seeing the result that I think they were going for, at least publicly, on the flea market. I'm seeing things that are more expensive and it's just making it harder for people to to make currency and I don't really think that they've stopped any there's this nebulous thing everyone blames bots for every problem in every game right and and in this particular case I don't really see the issue and admittedly I haven't done the trade that you specifically pointed out so that that definitely is a good example of one of one trade but is that one trade are say 10 of those situations Are 10 of those situations enough to make a wholesale change to the game like that? I don't know. It's an interesting thing to think about.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I don't think... I think we could go on either side of it, and I think at the end of the day we're kind of both in a similar spot, That I don't think it makes a huge difference on daily stuff, but over time maybe it adds up and there's a feeling of it. At the end of the day, I don't want there to be bots, so like I'm okay with them battling it to an extent, but You know, I guess the question is when it starts really affecting play styles and, you know, really affecting the player base just to go after RMT or whatever it is, it's kind of like, what's the best way to make a change? And I think this was one of the most interesting questions that was brought up in our our pre-show chat was, uh, and credit to Benjamin for this in the Discord, if you've seen Benjamin, he just said, well, what's the best way for them to make a change, you know? Some of it's been communicated for months or years over podcasts. And, and then they did today, they just, boom, it's done. Didn't even announce it. It was just discovered. And then they came after the fact and said, well, we're allowed to do this, basically. <laughs> and I think they may regret that type of response. But I guess that's the question. Like, what's the best way to make changes on game systems that are gameplay related? I don't know. What do you think?
0: I think the best way to make a wholesale change is at a major point of division in a game's life cycle. So, for example, like games that are DLC expansion based, you know, you if you think I have to make a big change, I'll make a change when an expansion gets released or on a season's done or when a wipe happens, right? I'm not sure if making a wholesale change to a system in the middle of like a cycle of playing a game where everyone kind of starts a game cycle, a season, an expansion, kind of with, okay, we agree to play by these set of rules, and you agree not to really change those rules, and then we're going to play and kind of see how it goes, right? Yeah. When the game changes the rules in the middle, it it just feels weird, man. It just feels weird, and I don't know, I mean... Do they have the right or whatever to do it? Well of course they do. It's pixels, right? They they can change the game. It does it make the experience better though for the customers, for the players, right? And so I don't I don't know. I I don't think that it's in good taste long term to build a loyal following for a game to change anything that's fundamental and not merely just balancing or superficial in the middle of like an established cycle that everyone agrees is an established cycle
1: yeah and i think you can send messages to the player base by tweaking things you know like they could have made that task if it was a huge issue that they saw on the back end they could have temporarily made it a hundred Ledexes, you know to say like this is bugged we're working on this we need to figure out a fix but nobody's going to be able to turn this in or if you do you really messed up, (laughs) right? That you could do things to send a message like we've identified this as a problem in the game. We're tweaking it so that it can't be completed or whatever. But I agree with you. Just the knee jerk changes. I'm not a big fan of them personally, but if the data warrants it, great. I think communication needs to be tied to it in some way. But you hit something to me that I'll relate back to PVP because I can't help myself. But you said you know, when you change things in the middle of a season and everyone kind of starts it with this kind of idea in their mind of this is what the rule set's going to be this season. I'm all about fair. Okay. I don't want equal PvP. I don't want everybody having the same gun and the same skills and, and all of that. But I want it to be fair. And what I mean by that is, you know, you put your time into leveling something or getting something and, and it's fair, right? And if somebody kills you and they're juiced out, you know that they put the time in or they killed someone and got lucky. There's this understanding that that person probably did something unique or put the time in to be able to do that, and you just sort of accept it when everything is fair or relatively fair. But I'll paint this picture right now. Today, I got so lucky when I turned this in that by nothing other than the fact that I turned this task in before they made this change, I now have a find and raid thick items case in my inventory that I can sell anytime I want this wipe. If I sell it right now, it's 20 plus million. And my guess is with this change, if it sticks, is that it will only go up from there because every find and raid thick items case, which they, there will not be any more produced in the game. If, if you have one, you can sell your one. There's no more that can be sold because they don't drop in raids and the traded ones are only available through traders. So I have a probably appreciating item which is rare in Tarkov as wipes go on, typically items go down, that I can sell for a massive currency influx whenever I want. And that's not fair to other people that would have or get to this progression point. I think in, in the context I'm talking about, it doesn't matter if you weren't going to get there, but there's a significant chunk of the player base that at some point will have gotten to the point where they could have done this task, could have gotten this item, and now I have an unfair currency advantage because I'm lucky enough to get it done.
0: Yeah. And it not only feels bad to the person who is, you know, missed out on it, but it cheapens the reward like for you too. So if you really are interested in a a quality of opportunity game, something like this is almost makes you feel like you're cheating. And we talked about before, neither one of us like pay to win games. And so just for the record for everybody, I'll go on record saying, too, I don't like pay-to-win games. It's my biggest beef against most mobile games. They're all pay-to-win because they're just cash generators, and I don't think that's fun, right? Because I, like I like to get better at a game and then get to the point where I can win based upon my knowledge or skill or whatever. So right. all that being said, this change just feels so weird because I'm going to go back to what you said about they could have made the task 100 Lettix's. Now, if you think about that, you're right, they could have done that. But if they would have done that, and let's say it was 100 ledexes for like two months because they were trying to figure out what to do, they would have the same problem because there would have been some people like you who had already done it. And it would have made other people not able to progress past that point. They they would have stopped everybody's kappa progression at that point. And I think that the best way that they could have handled this honestly is to devalue the item versus try to monkey with how the item is either acquired or whatever the best way they could have handled this is to remove it from the game in my opinion devalue the item so you either remove it from the game because there's already a regular items case right a non-thick version of it you you can devalue it some several ways but they could have just said hey guys this item is broken. We don't know how to fix it, this wipe. And if you've already completed this quest with therapists, we're, we're refunding you a straight 9 million rubles. You know, you'll get it in the mail from Uncle Prepper. And that's it. And I think if they would have done that, they, they, I think that would have felt a lot better because it wouldn't have offended me looking up the hill to that quest being done. I would have just said, okay, cool. I mean, the guys that did it, yes, that's awesome that you made it that far, but you didn't get penalized because you got a refund for the things that you used to get it. But at the same time- But the case <laughs> <laughs> I I get it. I get it. But yeah, and I understand. But but it's <laughs> it is a situation where- You have to find a way, if you're going to remove a powerful item from the game, and this is arguably a very powerful item, right? Because it not only does it allow you to do caseception or whatever at EOD levels, but if you're a standard player, this potentially takes revenue away from battle state because they can expand their hideouts, right? It's
1: 15 slots that generates 196 slots. It is powerful. In a game of space management, it is the most powerful item in the inventory game. No question about it.
0: Correct. And so just manipulating the situation like this is possibly the worst of all options for implementation. And we'll see what the outcome is, but it but it feels like. If they could have made this choice, man, they just they picked up a, a weird one, just a weird way to go about this. Yeah, it all points back to
1: what I believe is an RMT focused decision. I think I'm open to other options out there, but I'll come back to like you, you make a good point. Even if they would made it 200 LEDXs while well, they were trying to fix it. That's still a change in the middle of the wipe. And I just don't think you take a carrot. Or an OP item and change it in the middle of a wipe. Not when your game is seasonal right now. It just doesn't make sense to punish the people that already have it or the people that were working towards it or let the people that don't know about it know about it. (laughs) That's the part that just blows my mind is that you made the point that how many people even are aware of it or even going to get to it, aka they don't have a reason to care right now. Why did you just tell the entire player base about this? Like, there's a big problem going on, guys. And it's like, I'm not going to get super negative on it. I'm just not because something's going on. There's a why here, and I hope we learn about it. But something was going on with these items. These cases had to be being used in weird ways or something's up with them. And that's that's it. I mean, I just believe that is that that's really the only way is they killed The task version of them, because they're find and raid, which makes them sellable. And it's the only thing I can point to is why you would do that. And maybe it's people were buying rubles with RMT. You know, they're doing RMT for rubles. And these were the items they were buying like every single time. Like they can trace all those transactions or something. I don't know. It's a total speculation thing. But at the end of the day, now the entire player base is mobilized on an issue that most of them didn't know about. Very few people had already probably. And now everyone's mad about it. And <laughs> where
0: do you go from here? Yeah. And they could have left it in the game and just made none of them find and raid and just made it so your your task reward was what it was. And if you wanted to do the trade to get one, then you could do it. Yeah. And just make it not tradable. I mean, other games right. have dealt with item stuff like this by making them when Warcraft would we'll go back to that because it's the biggest MMO. They've got soul items. You can't trade those. You can only trade bind and equip stuff. And so I think that, man, there just, there seems like, this seems like such a reaction. So I'm just going to go back to the why we don't know the why. And I think that it's probably going to come out because stuff like this always does. Eventually, they either developers leak a reason or in some kind of a podcast, they'll leak a reason or talking with like pestily or something, right? Nikita will say eventually you know at some you know zero dark 30 where he's drunk and talking to pestily he'll say something like you know oh we turned that off because of this reason you know and it was because of the cheaters and then we can all be confirmed but the i guess my point is like we just don't know and it's hard to understand the rationale behind it when you just i mean we have no idea what they're thinking yeah and we can speculate about rmt but again when you start to break down RMT, and if you're really honest with yourself, it just, I mean, it may not make sense, right? Yeah.
1: And and I always try to like turn it back to my play style, my game, and then looking at the, you know, the casual to the one percenters and wondering, does this change move the gray line towards either of those camps, you know? And on the cases, the answer is probably not, you know? Does it change playstyles? Maybe a little bit. You know, the person who's good at farming stuff, well, they can still farm stuff and they can probably end up trading for thick cases through those methods. The person who likes to PVP or grind tasks and kappa, this may be the only one that they get and it just got removed. So that's kind of a bummer. I don't know. I don't think it's a gross change on playstyle, but so I don't think it's moving that gray line towards one or the other. Is it a in sort of a side benefit to the people that already have it? Yes, absolutely. I have a 196 slot item that takes up 15 spaces in my inventory uh, compared to a standard player that doesn't have that big advantage, right? I can keep a lot more stuff in that. And believe me, I will. But it, it sort of cheapens it for me, you know? I don't feel good about having it now because a lot of people now can't get it by doing it and it was just a neat carrot so there's that piece but then there's just a bunch of changes right now and i'm going to encourage everyone to think on some of these things and why why the changes in the middle of the wipe you know and there's always new barters being added and i think they've done that in previous wipes too but now we're seeing things like high tier ammo not being purchasable from vendors and only being find in raid only um There's just some really interesting changes being made that also aren't related to barters and task changes. And so I think it's going to be a good time to pay attention to the gray line and who's being listened to, right? Because I think we probably all agree. And again, maybe stuff happens in the few days in between us recording and, and this coming out. But I think we'd all agree initially when this news hits that it doesn't feel like Battlestate was listening to anybody with these task changes, and then there's other changes that, like the ammo and stuff. You know, we've heard that from some of the uh, vocal streamers and content creators, and some of that's starting to take place. So it's a really interesting time, four or five weeks into a wipe, for a lot of this stuff to be taking place. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'll tell you what, man, I had a lot of fun playing the game this morning, and I'm looking forward to playing tomorrow. It's not affecting me on that, but it does have me questioning, like, what's going on. Like, why? Well, this just doesn't make sense to me as a player. And when I try to put my well, if I was Battle State, why would I be doing this? It's RMT is what signs point to. But I don't know, man, I think this may have been a big enough change that got so many people upset that they may actually have to start giving us some real answers and not just, oh, yeah, we did it because of this. I don't know that that's going to fly in this scenario.
0: Well, I know that I'm going to play tomorrow as well and have a great time. So it's not that Neither one of us are super negative about the game. I, I agree with you. I don't know how this change is going to go over. I do think that large changes like this in any situation are going to be things that Battlestate's going to have to learn how to manage maybe a little bit differently. I'll, I'll stop short of saying better, but I'll just say differently, because I do think that you can make large changes to the game, perhaps in different ways, which will be more acceptable to the players and maybe not affect the overall game as massively. And, you know, if I could, if I I had only one negative to say, it would have been nice to have some communication around it just to understand it. You know, it's not so much the change as much as just having some communication.
1: That's it. And I think the biggest challenge for me is that I'm not super salty about it. I kind of wanted to dig into it like we did because it's fascinating. But they've proven the ability to communicate on big changes and what they're thinking and why and what's coming down the road, so this feels weird. that's where I'm sitting. It's weird. it doesn't feel right because they're so communicative on stuff, and they set an expectation of that so so they, they're kind of gonna have to deal with the fallout from not doing that,
0: yeah, I agree, and like you said, it's gonna be interesting just to sit back and kind of watch how this goes, so I think one of the interesting things that. We also want to talk about tonight is how we've kind of changed a little bit with our single fire versus auto guns. Now, a couple episodes ago, and I know everyone's at least done this once, whether you're going to admit it or not, you've been in a scenario where you've got the perfect angle, the perfect everything. You're ready to go. You pop out. You fire. Click once, and you're dead. And you're like, "Come on, man!" And it's because you forgot to go full auto. I personally did this with uh, some friends playing Tarkov, and so I actually I find it kind of interesting trigger because you've been playing a lot of single fire lately.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> we didn't know if we we're gonna have time to talk about it or not, but we were talking before the show, and I was I was wanting to talk about it because I keep getting called out on stream, and people are like, "Why are you using the VEPR? Why are you using the?" you know the the TX the uh what's the other one that i've been using all the time um oh just like the AKMs and and I, just all these items and i've been moving into single fire or i'm using single fire only guns and even on factory even in close quarters and part of it was a little bit of a test and it came when they reduced the recoil on the 762x39 guns i really dug into the vepper um, specifically the 7.62x3.9 version of it. And I just sort of stuck with it. And I've been finding that I use less ammo. I have to take less ammo into raid. I don't have to put a mag plus a stack of ammo in my gamma. I just take a stack of ammo, which is freeing up two spaces in my gamma. So for me at first, it was, you know, I was farming some scabs on factory and I kept losing an item or two that could have been useful to me, even if it was not found in raid. And so I was like, how can I get around this? And part of it came from I didn't have everything unlocked, so I couldn't build the guns the way I wanted to. And so I started saying, okay, what could work? And I started messing with the, you know, the SA 58s and the VEPERS, and I've found tremendous success with it. And the truth is, you can fire those suckers really quick in close quarters if you need to. But I've just been having a tremendous amount of success on single fire. And I've been Pretty much single fire only for this entire wipe. Do you find that you have more control over the gun with single fire? Depends on the scenario. In engagements that aren't close quarters, but sort of short, um, where you would normally like spray and sort of like get to cover or you're just kind of like unloading there, I'm noticing a little bit of lack of control. But where I'm finding most of my success is really close quarters combat. Single fire has been great because I don't like spray 50 bullets and then I have 10 left when I finally get the right angle. But furthermore, it's the mid range. And I've really like got into this groove on woods and shoreline. And I I learned it on factory actually. And it was holding the hut spawn. And I've been catching people rotating when they're moving off of the metal platform towards gate three. And I've been single tapping and catching people rotating across. And what I realized was when I was spraying. You know, your first couple bullets, no matter what the recoil is, tend to come up and then come back down. So if you spray at someone, if you don't hit the first bullet, your next five, six, seven shots are way above their head until it levels out. So if you're trying to hit tight angles, I've been finding that I get three or four attempts of legitimate shots to headshot them as they rotate. Whereas when I was spraying, I was getting one, maybe two shots, but it still was about recoil control. This is more about pinpoint accuracy. So the mid-range for me, fighting on woods, fighting on shoreline, fighting further on factory, I've gotten deadly with, and it's caused me to stick on it basically all the time.
0: Do you think that you're more effective with different types of scopes using single fire? Like, have you found the scopes to be better this way?
1: Yeah. So I barely use the Valde, the one times by six times. So the, the dual zoom scope. Last wipe, I never used it um, just a handful of times, just never could really get behind it. But this wipe, I have fallen in love with the Valde, and I also just really like the, um, not the PKO6, but the P1X42, the reverse, uh, the Weaver sight, the reflex sight. I use that for my red dot, if I'm just going to use a red dot, and I use the Valde, and the reason I do that is because they restrict very little view. I've really been enjoying the zoomed in Valde scope, but most of the time I'm using the 1x zoom on the Valde and I single tap with it at very long ranges sometimes without zooming in just because I'm used to the, um, you know, the ergonomics of it and the turn ratios for how my mouse moves.
0: So I've got a question for you. What's your, fuel, what's your FOV set to in-game? 59, 59. Okay and this is kind of a little tip from an up- upcoming video that we're working on for the YouTube channel. I've been really experimenting with a bunch of graphic settings and have you noticed that if you take your field of vision really under 59, like if you were at 57 or 55, you're going to see shadowing on the scope. You you're, you're going to see like a ring of black around the scope. There's going to be this shadowing effect that happens in the scope and if you go higher than for example, if you go higher than sixty-four or sixty-five, what you're looking at, what Tarkov does is it shrinks what's in the middle of the screen to squeeze more in, so that your targets get smaller. So, like the sweet spot with Tarkov is actually more like sixty-two. But it, but it, I was just wondering if you noticed that or not. Yeah, so I
1: haven't toyed with it after finding what the equivalent of ninety is, and. In Tarkov, it's a vertical versus horizontal, which is why it's different, you know, so if you're used to playing 90 FOV in other games, you want to move to 59, that's the direct equivalent in Tarkov, or roughly the same. And for me, that's just how my move my mouse and how I set my sensitivities up, and it's also the size of things I want on my screen, so I'm familiar with that from watching some other videos, and I know you're working on that too, so that's cool, but yeah, for me, it's 59. and um I like to play on 90 FOV on every other FPS I play. If it has a 90 FOV option, I never go over 90. I'll play under if it doesn't allow it.
0: It's kind of interesting because at 59, I, I get motion sickness. The sides are, are filling in. At, it's kind of like looking through a prism to me. So like I have to play it. Like, I think mine's at 64. Interesting. And I've noticed that it's a lot easier on my eyes uh, long-term at 64, it it might, might be the monitors, whatever the resolution, you know, all those kinds of things. But I asked the FOV question because that in and of itself is a huge scope, like determining factor of how effective you are with scopes is what, where your FOV is set. Right.
1: Yep. that When I watched the video, and I, I wish I could tell you right now who it was, and we'll link it again. It changed my whole concept because in my mind, it was like, max it out. <laughs> you know, Get the biggest FOV possible. And that was uh, not the way in Tarkov. And some people play max FOV, but uh, for me, changing it from the max, which I don't remember what it is, down to 59, my mid and long range shots started connecting way way more often that was the sweet spot for me
0: yeah with max fov you're shooting at such a small target it's it's like for a 4x smaller
1: yeah and and
0: if you're just
1: hearing this concept for the first time basically what it means is if you're max fov and you're zoomed in at a longer range shot you may have the opportunity to shoot at like four or five pixels. Whereas on a longer range shot on a lower FOV, like 59, and there is a sweet spot for Tarkov, you want to research it, we'll get you the info. And there's some other videos out there, but we're testing it. But you'll end up having like seven pixels to shoot at or eight. And so that may not sound like a whole lot. But you're talking about A 50, sometimes 60% increase in the number of pixels on your screen that you can shoot and connect with a shot. That's a huge, huge difference.
0: Yep. And we'll link to the horizontal and vertical FOV calculator. It's a little utility that some nerd made that's awesome. (laughs) I guess my point is that when you're looking at these scopes, right, and you're looking at doing single fire shooting, with single fire, your margin for being wrong is a lot less. And so I asked the FOV question because I think it is very important to have your FOV dialed in to be effective with scopes and single fire shooting.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's kind of of where I was going. I think um, the only other thing that I would add to single fire, and if you have anything else, please add it too. But one of the things I started doing was I was finding some BP 76239 in raid. So I had about 90. Rounds of this, and this is in my early 30s as far as level. And I was like, man, I just don't want to blow through this in one raid. So, what I was doing was taking in mostly PS ammo, but the mag that I had in my AKM or VEPR or whatever was a 30 round mag with BP in it. And then I took the rest PS ammo and I took PS ammo to reload into. So for me, it got to the point where I didn't mind buying 30 rounds of BP. I didn't mind buying really good ammo because I was finding that I was having good success farming scabs on factory and making enough money that I could fund one mag of really good ammo and still profit 100 to 150K after healing, reloading my money, selling everything I needed and keeping the items I needed out. I was averaging over 100K a run so it made it really easy for me to make the decision to buy one mag worth of good ammo so that those early pmc fights i could um i could win and get out of there so just a final tip on single fire if you haven't tried single firing there will be a learning curve but i i highly recommend you try it i've been i've completely converted to it and i may go back but for now it's been working tremendously
0: yeah i've been giving a a try myself as well i've been Having a lot of fun with SKSs. It's been really interesting to kind of get into that. So all good stuff, all good stuff. But I think that's pretty much it for for now. I mean, I'm starting to see that green bar fly across the top of my screen. I don't know about you. It's counting down, baby. Which means that we are seconds away from disappearing. But first of all, thank you, as always, for watching. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere that you can find audio podcasts. You can also find the talk show version of the show on YouTube.com slash XP Media Now, where you can watch MTB and I make the show. Remember to have a great week, and undoubtedly they'll make some changes to all the things we talked about tonight. So if you're listening to this on Friday and all of this has already been changed and you've made it this far to the hour and wherever we're at, Mark, thank you for making it this far. We hope you have a great rest of the week and good luck in all of your raids. See everybody. Thank you. See ya.